Welcome one and all to episode 192 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are back on, well, a two-show week as we can kind of of get things together this week and, and get a couple shows done, but... Uh, before we get to that, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, and uh, especially because Ohio State won and the Browns won, which is a rare, uh, rare thing in my lifetime. Usually, Ohio State wins and the Browns lose. Um, Ohio State avoided a crushing loss on Saturday night with the last second drive. We're going to talk about that in a second. And what we're really going to try to do, if I can figure this out, uh, you know, in my old, in, in my advanced years is we're going to put the first half of the show on iTunes, Spotify, etc. We're going to put the full show on Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, I urge you to do so. It's just two bucks a month and you'll get a guaranteed uh, bonus episode. Uh, Lately, we've just kind of been doing the Patreon episodes because we've been pressed for time, but we still get articles up on Patreon as well. If you're in the generational tier there, four bucks a month will get you everything that we ever do and have done so uh, that's a good one you can even look back at our old shows since we came back and even ridicule us and make fun of us for our bad takes which are very few and far between i think yeah for the most part we're always right no i'm just kidding um this week you know when we're right we'll tell you and when we're not we'll pretend that never happened yeah we typically delete those episodes um (laughs) we're just like every other draft nick out yeah. there <laughs> except we don't tweet that much yeah exactly uh this week you know we had a great game in south bend um much to my wife's chagrin ohio state came out on top uh how how notre dame uh notre dame's defense coordinator or head coach haven't resigned yet i have no idea because <laughs> uh, come on it wasn't that bad it was they, they they were ranked ninth and they lost to the sixth ranked team. I mean, it's it, it's that bad when you only have ten players on the field for two uh, in, uh, important plays in a row. That's fair, um, but Marcus <laughs> Freeman explained that he said he didn't want to get called for a penalty. I don't know what penalty you would get for having the normal amount of guys on the field, but that was his <laughs> explanation. So yeah, and so it's just unfortunate, you know that Chip Trainum was getting in, even if there were thirteen guys on that field. Yeah, but I mean, this was a great, uh, great game. Uh, it really was fun, wasn't it? And, I mean, like, even if you're just a regular, uh, you're not a fan of either one of these teams, and uh, especially if you, I mean, especially if you had no rooting interest, it was a really tough game. I told you my only rooting interest was I had uh, I had Ohio State on the first half money line. They came through for me. Uh, <laughs> there you go with a big, big three nothing lead. <laughs> Uh, exactly how we all expected it to be. Um, yeah, not a lot of touchdowns. Know, no, and and but interesting. I mean, I, I thought both quarterbacks still played good. They uh, did. Uh, you know, McCord a little less accurate, but a little more explosive than Sam Hartman. Um, you know, Travion Henderson really shined in this game. Uh, kind of put himself back on the map, right? Uh, yeah. He's done uh, that too. He's had a couple like really long touchdown runs where you've got to see his his speed, and I think that's going to go a long way for him because even if he's, you know, even if somebody thinks he's like a James Cook type and he's bigger than that, 
um, that speed is going to go a long way. He's, he's pretty much uh, starting to cement himself in the day two talk. Um, and then Audrey Gustame, you know, for Notre Dame, he had a he had the typical game that you see when they play an actual like good defense and and it's not a negative thing at all I, i've said it before he really reminds me of james connor you know he's mm-hmm. a he's a between the tackles type of guy that if there's if it's a if it's a three yard run he's going to get you five yards if it's a if it's a six yard run he's going to get you eight yards like he's not you know he is explosive in the sense of college but you know when it's a lot of nfl talent on the field He's not a guy that's going to, you know, break off a 75-yard run like a Travion Henderson can. But he is a better version of, like you just talked about, like Chip Trainum, right? Like, he he can – he's going to get you five yards of carry. It's going to be – he's going to grind it out, and he's mm-hmm. going to earn those yards. And, and I, you know, I thought that was kind of on display. Um, he's a bulldozer. And, uh, you know, I had some Notre Dame fans in my house. We had a little party get together last weekend um watching the game and the notre dame fans in my house were kind of talking about him as a as uh they were talking about estimate as a mini bus like a mini jerome bettis yeah uh, and by mini i mean he's still 225 pound back right but um that's the kind of he's he's a battering ram and he did bust off i think a 22 or, or so uh yard run at one point when they were buried deep in their own territory to give Notre Dame some breathing room. Notre Dame had some good drives. We're going to talk more about Estime and uh, Sam Hartman um, a little bit in the second half of the show when we preview next week. Seth, I want to talk about the I want to talk about the battle in the trenches because we previewed that last week on Patreon, and uh, you and I were talking about this during the game. Uh, Joe Alt has he laid his claim now to offensive tackle one? He he did a pretty strong job against the, the Ohio State defensive ends and we'll we'll talk more about them in a second. Yeah, I mean, I think he's and it's something you and I've talked about quite a bit like it's hard to find a comparison for him, which is one of the things that you know you and I like to do with these guys. And it's because of his height, right? Right. And and the only comparisons that you end up with are are some comps we hate making and they're like Hall of Fame comps, right? right. Like just, Orlando Pace and Jonathan Ogden, right? Because there's just not many six eight plus guys. We're gonna have to see how athletic he is because we just saw Blake, Blake Freeland come out at, at about six eight, and uh, you know I'm not sure how he's doing in the pros right now, but um, you know I I'm not concerned about his height. Uh, he he looks strong, stout, and athletic. He does. He looks. He looks incredibly uh, athletic. He looks, I mean, obviously the length, unless he just has baby arms, is, is not going to be an issue. Uh, it's hard to imagine that he'll have baby arms at 6'8". Right. Uh, <laughs> and and he's just a guy that does a really good job in the pass game, in the run game. He's just, They're just so stout up front. Um, but it was interesting because, you know, um, the two big plays that got made – at the end of the game by by uh jtt for for ohio state both came off of right tackle blake fisher who didn't have a bad game by any means right like he he played fairly well again for yeah but like that's what 
that's what it, and it's just so funny because we've seen it now with um with Nick Bosa we we saw it with a guy like Michael Parsons we saw it you know I saw it uh in the first week with Montez Sweat for the Washington Commander skins like <laughs> these guys these defensive guys can be mostly held in check all game but if they get two plays it it literally can change the course of the game and that's what we saw with uh JT Tuomola, right? Yeah, JT Tuomola. Um so I, I want to say this, like both uh, Notre Dame offensive tackles held up very well throughout the game, but if you if you were following Ohio State fans on Twitter, they were especially down on both JTT and Jack Sawyer. And that is something I'm going to circle back to in a minute because I think both of those guys have played very well this year without logging an official sack. But one of the first play the the big play uh, the first big play that Seth alluded to is JT Tuomalau stopping St- uh, Sam Hartman for a five yard loss on I think it was first down maybe second down, um, but it was not credited as a sack because it was a apparently a designed run play so instead jtt in fact got credit for half a tackle for loss really it was all him he he was the guy who blew up the play stuffed sam hartman and um that play forced notre dame to pass on the next play and the next play it was the next play right yeah the next play uh JTT almost makes an interception. It was reminiscent of last year's uh, game against Penn State when we saw a similar thing toward the end of the game with JTT. Uh, so, as Seth said, like you can be held in check, and in many ways, I don't think that's necessarily the case that he that JTT was held in check. He was still applying pressure throughout the game, as was Sawyer. But as I've mentioned on this show, and and um, if you've heard us on Patreon lately, these guys are getting. The uh, teams know that they're going to get to the quarterback in a matter of two seconds. So they they are dialing up these pass plays. We saw it with Western Kentucky against Ohio State, where the quarterback just has to get rid of it immediately, or he's going to get plowed. And uh, that's kind of what Notre Dame did. They were they were really good. Um, granted, Notre Dame's offensive line is much better than Western Kentucky's, but every time you see a team playing Ohio State, they know those two. Uh, unlike the Twitter fans, the defensive coaches for these teams know that those two uh, defensive ends are the real deal, and they're going to hit you and get you get a sack if you don't get the ball out lightning quick. Uh, to, uh, JTT and Sawyer have they both been criticized for having no sacks, while uh, draft darling Jared Verse has zero sacks as well and he actually has uh, according to pro football focus a much lower pass rush win rate rate uh, in fact about five percent lower than either of the other two guys that uh, play for Ohio State and yet he remains a top 10 pick and the other two guys are considered by many fans disappointments so I just don't think that's looking at it objectively you know uh, Seth and I are not pressures guys but we're not talking about pressures here. We're talking about the times they beat their opposing uh, blocker. And so it, it doesn't necessarily have to result in a pressure, but it does change the game plan. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes the team have to get the ball out quicker, and that's what these two guys do. 
Uh, so I'm not too concerned about the sacks because I think they'll come because the pass rush win rate is in line with you know some very good players when you look at it uh, when you look at the totality of college football and how many uh, pass rush snaps they have and how much they play how many snaps they play on the whole I think th- these guys project to um, be players that are going to get sacks yeah and uh, you know it's one of those situations that you look at where I don't necessarily, you know, it's not a thing that I've worried about watching these guys play um, throughout their career. Uh, but it is something that, you know, I, I do understand why people have questions about it because sure. you, you do want to see that type of production. But Right, especially if you're talking about first round, right? Right. But yeah. nobody, right now, not many people are talking about these two guys. And they are putting verse in the top 10 and nobody has any sacks out of the three. Yeah. And, and, you know, both have done what we kind of expect through the first two years. Obviously we wanted to see a little more of a jump this year. Maybe that happens, you know, the final 10 games of their season or whatever it is. But I think teams, don't you think there's going to be, I mean, look, Notre Dame scored uh, what? 14 points. Yeah, there are going to have to be some teams that try and stand in and make plays down the field. You can't beat this Buckeye team. Their secondary and their linebackers are playing too well for you to beat this team by trying to kill them underneath. It's not going to happen. So at some point, some teams are going to have to target receivers down the field. And in those cases, we'll see if these pass rushers can get home. You know, and they haven't, I mean, until last week, they haven't played anybody. So it's not something that, you know, anybody would really lament at this point. Because, I mean, both JTT and Sawyer weren't getting four quarters worth snaps. This is the first game they saw four quarters of snaps. And and they played well. And, right. you know, they just, they're not getting the sacks at this point. So, so the, the main takeaway here, though, I think is that uh, Notre Dame's tackles, Ohio State's defensive ends, all good players. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good players, there's a lot of players on Colorado that turned out not to be good players. Wait, as can, they... we, can we real talk, real quick talk about Kyle McCord? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so McCord is a redshirt sophomore. I don't think either Seth or I think that he's going to declare after this year. But what you saw to Kyle McCord, that final drive, he converts a fourth down. I think it was fourth and seven. He converts a third and 19 to get him down to the one. Uh, I think this is the game where Kyle McCord grew up and, and became the Ohio State starting quarterback. So uh, there there had still been some dabbling in uh, Devin Brown. I think that talk's going to be over now. Uh, McCord came through in the clutch. And, uh, you know, if you've listened to our show, our uh, guy Sully, who – we talk about every we talk to every year about offensive line prospects. He's all of a sudden become a huge Ohio State guy and uh, is really touting McCord. I'm not there yet, but I'm solidly in the camp that McCord is just Ohio State's starter, and and we don't have to mess with it anymore. Last week or this weekend, um, you know, we weren't surprised. I think you and I were surprised because we we expected. Colorado at least score some 
but Oregon really put a beating on uh, on Colorado this week. Right. Um, the shine came off a little bit. We've talked about it. This this Colorado team just was. They they don't have enough talent. I mean, just at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. They and, don't, uh, especially on defense. Right. Yeah. And and you know Oregon. I thought it was actually pretty nice. They could have gone Miami and and put up seventy, and they <laughs> Miami were, Dolphins, right? <laughs> yeah, Miami Dolphins and put up seventy, but they were they were polite. They they got out to a quick thirty five nothing lead and really just reined it in um, in the second half. Um, you know they scored they scored early in the third quarter and and literally just put the brakes on everything. They could have yeah. probably scored another four times. But they chose not to. Bo Nix, he's got to be a serious uh, Heisman contender at this point, no? He, yeah, he does. And I've actually kind of grown to like Bo Nix as, as a prospect. I think he's got some tools. He's got a good arm. He's an athlete. Uh, he's playing very well ever since he got to Oregon. You know, I know he had a shakier start to his career at Auburn. It didn't re- Whatever offense that was, it didn't really fit him. Uh, but he's found a home now, and he's a player that is just really well respected by coaches, by his teammates, and by uh, NFL scouts now, it seems. So he had three t- passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Uh, he did throw a pick, but that was later after they already. And, uh, and it was his first one of the year. Yeah. And uh, he's got Troy Franklin, who's. Been, we've talked about him uh, on various shows, whether on uh, Patreon or iTunes. But uh, Franklin was a high recruit, eight catches, 126 yards, two two touchdowns, and they just held Shadur Sanders in check. He only had 159 yards on 33 attempts, and he was sacked seven times. So uh, Seth and I like Shadur Sanders, but as we mentioned, uh, I think on Patreon last week. It seems that Shadur Sanders uh, is probably not going to declare after this year. We think that he's going to stick around in Colorado with his dad and his brother and really try and make a run at the Big 12 championship next year when they move to that conference. Humbling uh, game for Colorado, but uh, Coach Prime took it as such and didn't, you know, um, he, he basically said his team was humbled by that. And uh, they have another tough matchup this weekend which we're going to talk about in part two of the show yeah and you look at it i mean you mentioned nicks uh he continues to play well he's got 12 total touchdowns on the season troy franklin we've talked about he's a day two guy all day um, at least yeah and and depending on what he runs he may find himself in the in the day one conversation uh and what looks like it's going to be one of the better wide receiver classes in the yeah. last decade it, uh, it looks uh, it's getting comparisons to 2014. Yeah. Um, the final game we wanted to really highlight, recap, and and one that I was really wrong on. You reluctantly kind of followed suit, um, and and that was Alabama's defense came to play this week, right? Like they they showed back up and they showed that they're they're fighting basically at this point to show that this isn't. Nick Saban's last hurrah unless he wants it to be. Yeah, it was a, a tighter game earlier on, and then became, uh, you know, Alabama kind of pulled away. But the 
the player of the game, the player of the week, really, and uh, I think he actually was given some award, the Bednarik Defensive Player of the Week in college football was Dallas Turner, uh, the defensive end slash linebacker for the, for the Crimson Tide. He had five tackles and two sacks and a forced fumble. I think he has four or four and a half sacks now in the season, which, which matches his total from last year. And he had eight as a true freshman two years ago. So he looks like he is fully back on track. And um, my question at this point, you look at where we mentioned uh, three top edge prospects and uh, JTT, Sawyer, and Verse, and especially Verse I'm looking at here. Is is uh, Dallas Turner, is he taking over? Is he taking the reins as the defensive end one in this draft class? I think he has to be at this point. I mean, he's definitely the most productive of the big name, big school guys, right? Right. And there wasn't, you know, this was not the year where you had a Will Anderson, right? Or a, or a Chase Young or, or a Nick Bosa or any of those guys just that were out and out the number one guy with, yeah. a, with a bullet. I'm glad um, you mentioned Bosa too, because remember we talk about production a lot. And we're big on that, but that's not the end-all, be-all. And uh, as we know, Bosa has has become a dominant force at the NFL level after basically sitting out almost all of his final year before he went into the draft. Well, so, and, and not just that, but he's also the highest-paid defense player in NFL history now. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, he's he's a he's a monster. And and so I think the one guy from a production size, all of that standpoint, that could give Dallas Turner some run and a guy that we should mention is Latu uh Latu who's had, you know, four and a, four sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss in his games this season. He's a little bit bigger, different type of defender. Yeah. Um he we had two tackles. I don't think he's going to be as athletic though. No, no. He had two tackles for loss in this game against in their loss to Utah this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um you know, in in he's a guy though that he's going to have to answer the medical questions because he medically retired from football when he was at Washington and then was able to get medically cleared at UCLA. So um, he will 100% have questions to answer on that, but there's undoubtedly production on that. But if you look at, and you know, just kind of the, the NFL consensus draft board, right. That we, we use all the time. If you look at that consensus board, for edge prospects for the 2024 draft, uh, Turner is is number two, but way behind Jared Verse. That doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. And then Chop Robinson's three. And, and J- Chop Robinson had a great game against Iowa this week. But again, the pass rush win rate, that, that seems like a tongue twister to me. But that actually favors the two Ohio state guys over chop. Well, and even then like his production is one sack. So like you can't overly, it's not like he's Dallas Turner or, or uh Latu when you're talking about production, right? Cause like those guys are, are way behind uh, in terms of, of what you see um, this season from the other guys. Um, what we're getting at too is it's still way early. We're about, I guess in some cases we're about a third of the way through the season. 
But remember, a lot of these teams are going to play 13 and 14 games. So we're talking about a three or four game sample size tops at this point. Like only a handful of teams have played four games. And then um, what you're going to see this weekend, Ohio State has a bye. um, But USC has a game that will be their fifth, for example. So you're going to – things are not going to get really settled till about middle of the year when we have those college football playoff rankings come out, right? Correct. And and it'll be interesting to see how this goes. But I'm just – you know, I'm always interested in why guys aren't – the top guy at their position. And it, it's interesting to me that Turner, he had a little bit of down production last year, um, but Turner, he just feels like he should have been kind of the the number one guy heading into this year and yeah. then had to play off of it. Or, yeah, and um, or one of the Buckeye guys, uh, JTT, only had three and a half sacks last year. I get that, but... You look at um, the recruiting pedigree, top program. Verse is a player, and we've talked about how he's going to be. He's right now he's cemented in the top ten in mock drafts, but he's also a player who transferred up from Albany to Florida State. Had a, I think nine and a half nine sacks last year. Nothing to sneeze at, especially when you're going up from F. CS to FBS, but also older than these other guys because uh, Verse will turn 24, I think, uh, you know, in the first third of his rookie year when he gets to the pros. So you're just talking about a different kind of prospect, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, Seth, we have one more note about week three before we switch over to the Patreon feed. And Joe Milton who's been around forever from Michigan to Tennessee down his first full year as a starter at Tennessee mixed results, but Tennessee won last weekend and Milton, I think he was like 19 for 31 passing. So you still have some, you know, accuracy issues with him. Even worse, 18 for 31, 18 for 31. Right. And he's got a cannon arm. Everyone knows that he's a big, big dude. He's like six, five, six, four, two forty. He busted out an 81-yard run in a win over UTSA, uh, Texas San Antonio. And he hit 21 miles per hour on the GPS. Did we know Joe Milton was that fast? We we got some uh, into, uh, some Anthony Richardson comparisons, right? And we scoffed at that because he's Richardson is as. Uh, 4-4 guy, one of probably the most athletic quarterback who's ever tested at the Combine. We scoffed at that, and yet here's Joe Milton. He actually hits 21 miles per hour. I didn't think he had that in him. No, and it's interesting because it feels like Milton's range of outcomes, and, and like, I, you know, this is obviously an entirely high end, but like a – like athletically size Josh Allen, right? Like, and then like you said, Anthony Richardson, and then but then you've got a litany of guys going back to like Logan Thomas, right? So like, who has become a a hell of an NFL tight end? I mean, heck, look at Justin Fields right now. He's struggling to play quarterback at the NFL level, and 
there's already been people writing their blog posts about him moving to another position. Um, I would have never thought that Milton would be in the athletic category of some of the guys you just mentioned. Although Josh Allen, what he run like a four seven eight four seven nine? Yeah. Um, so not lightning fast, but we've seen how effective he can be as a runner. Um, there's no question in my mind that some NFL GM is going to become enamored with Joe Milton especially if Tennessee doesn't just do something stupid and lose like six games. So, you know, Jim Nagy's going to be all over this guy. Um, if not Nagy, then uh, Galco with the Eric Galco, our friend over at the Shrine game. Somebody's going to get this guy into an all-star game. He's going to wow people with his cannon arm and apparently speed and his size. So Yeah, he, he feels like a... Somebody else can deal with that, not the, me. Right? <laughs> the consensus board's going to have him on like in like the fourth round too. And realistically, and like I said, unless this guy just completely falls over himself down the stretch, with the tools that he has, he's he's going to be somebody's going to pick him on day two. I think they'll be disappointed, but you never know. At this point, um, guys get into the right system, they surprise you. Real quick, we got a hot take on this one. Um, goes back to well, our conversation about Colorado. Um, John Costco at John Costco, the number three on the Twitter. Or he used X, to be a PFF guy, if I recall. Yeah, yeah you follow him. Yes, um, I do. Yep. He's a Browns, uh, Browns fan, fellow uh, he, uh, Browns fan. <laughs> He confidently tweeted out on 9-22, so the day before the game, uh, that Shadur Sanders is QB1 in this class. He is him. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I hate he is him. And I then, hate that, man. And then Scott Barrett. What does that even mean? It's a, it's a cool kid's term. Bro. I can't. Like, I'm 45 years old, man. I can't. Uh, Scott Barrett, DFB. Uh, fa- he owns Fantasy Points. Mm-hmm which is, I guess, a fantasy site, so he's a fantasy guy. He backed him up. I mean, he, he quote, tweeted him and said, I know this feels like a hot take, but John Costco 3 is probably the best QB evaluator I know. He said the same thing of Patrick Mahomes in 2017 okay. and got endlessly dragged for it. I Who feel dragged like him a, for that? I mean, I feel, I feel like there's a huge disparity in uh, what we've seen on film – from Patrick Mahomes and um, and Shadur Sanders, and we we both like Shadur. We both we do. I, who was dragging somebody for saying Mahomes was good in in uh, twenty seventeen? I don't know. I mean, people got to have their things, man. So I, I don't. I, I mean, we dragged people for saying Mitch Trubisky was better than Watson, Mahomes, and unfortunately. Deshaun Kaiser, who, you know, that's a miss by by me, especially. Uh, I think that's more on Green Bay or, wait, or, <laughs> or Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, Hugh Jackson destroyed that that kid. Um, but we, uh, you and I liked, uh, and uh, this was probably the last year we were doing uh, the podcast before we went on hiatus for a couple of years, but we actually liked... Uh, we actually liked Mahomes and Watson quite a bit, definitely over Trubisky. 
wouldn't I would have never dragged anybody for saying uh, Mahomes was a first round uh, or high first round pick, or even you know really dragged anybody for saying he might have been quarterback one. I thought it was kind of a toss up between Mahomes, uh, Watson, and Kaiser. Kaiser was my big miss. I just you know I loved his arm. I thought he was uh, an athletic guy who could you could do some interesting things with it. So like like a Joe Milton type? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, to, to the first point, like I, Shadur Sanders is not the quarterback one in this class because I don't think he's going to be in this class. Yeah, I think you and I are both kind of in agreement with that take. I um, think he's really but, good, though. I mean, I I get why people think I he's think, good. I mean, I, I feel like he's more... And I know he's left-handed, but he's more along no, the lines of like a, uh, like a Tua. He's oh, not no, lefty, sorry. is he? That's right. That's right. You're right. Yeah. He, he's more in line of like a Tua for me. Like he's, he, he's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. He, he's got a good arm, not a great arm, but it's more anticipation throws. It's, and he's accurate. The ball out quick. Yeah. And he's accurate with the yeah. ball. And, and so that's why. And he, he stands kinda, in, he looks to throw. That's why right. he took seven and, sacks last week, though. And that's why he kind of reminds me of Tua, because like you know, as, and, but he already knows how to get hit. Mm-hmm. Day, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a plus. Yeah. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No, we're just gonna. If you want to hear the whole show, you're gonna have to become a patron. Um, but otherwise, Seth, let's get out of here and do part two for the patrons. And I, thanks everybody for listening to us. Uh, and apologies for not being more. I guess uh, not putting more content out there, but we're we'll hit our stride around draft time for all you folks who just want to be on iTunes, and that's totally fine. We appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening, as always. Come check us out on Patreon for just two bucks a month.